the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, it's a December, what is it? I'm sorry, December 11th. Man, I keep, it's hard for me to get the day straight. It, it is crazy. Every year, things get crazier and crazier. We get busier and busier, don't we? Especially if you got children. And I have four kids now. Joshua, Jonah, Jody, and Julie. Julie is just a couple of days over three months now, and... Of course, now my other three children are at an age where they fully understand what Christmas, well, I should say what Christmas is. They fully understand that something happens on Christmas morning, and they're excited about that. Now, my oldest, Josh, is starting to get the sense of what we may call the Christmas spirit. Um, For a few packers here at the North Valley Congregation, I've been giving him the memory verse to remember. It is more blessed to... Hopefully you know it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, verse 35. And um, so I'm trying to help him understand and see that. Of course, I I love Christmas. I love giving things to folks. It, it brings me so much joy to see their reactions, their face when they receive stuff, especially my children. But i got to be careful with that, right? We don't I don't want to overdo it. None of us want to want to overdo it with our kids and give them too much. We want them to, you know, have have that need and understand that stuff doesn't bring joy or happiness. That's found within our family, our friends, within our relationship with the Father above, and that's what we really need to focus our minds and hearts on, and and never to forget what it is we're supposed to be looking to. Past a couple of days, uh, a little bit of last week. The stock market has been dropping like a rock. Uh, things looking a little crazy out there in the world. Uncertainty here in our country. And the uncertainty hasn't really gone away for years, has it? it, it and, and for me, in the beginning, it was a little uh, difficult with all the stuff going on in the news with uncertainty. But it's been going on for so long, people keep telling us, oh, don't, don't uh, put your faith into this, that, or the other, because it's all going to come to an end. Well, that's true, and eventually their statement would be right. And uh, and they've been saying it for years now, years, and still nothing. And now the stock market's dropped, so now they're all coming back. This could be the big one. Well, maybe. It always could be the big one. And so don't let those doomsday sayers get you down. And if you're a Christian... They should never get you down. Now, does that mean uh, if there is the big one uh, that there will be heartache and difficulty in life? Well, yeah. But if you're a true Christian with a genuine perspective, 
it will only be a temporary setback. You'll still be moving forward to the things that are more important to you. So let, let's. what I want us to do is read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's uh, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Listen to what Paul says here. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have, a <clears throat> we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. <clears throat> the context for our text goes back to chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul proclaims that he and his fellow ministers do not lose heart. And he's speaking of never getting discouraged, nor having the desire to just quit. If any man had a right to get discouraged, wasn't it certainly Paul the Apostle after all that he went through? His ministry often suffered, and he, was also, uh, he also suffered because of his ministry. We see that in chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. He goes through all those little details there, well, uh, quite a few little details there. However, in spite of all that has happened, he can still say, We do not lose heart. Now, how could a man like Paul continue to preach and teach with all the difficulties that he faced? The answer begins in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians 16, 17, and 18. And there's three important truths, or really, really secrets, known to Christians. Here it is, verse 16 of chapter 4. Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Very familiar to the chapter 5 verses we just read, right? The outer man in this passage has to do with our physical selves, right? And with our relationship with the physical realm. Our inner man is our spiritual self. It's that renewing that has to do with the changes that take place on the level of our spirit. So, as we grow spiritually, the things of the outer man and our relationship with the world declines. We begin to see this realm more clearly as we gain spiritual insight. 
So, as verse 16 says, though our outer man is decaying, that's the physical, yet our inner man, the spiritual self, is being renewed day by day. And then verse 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. All comparison. This suggests a new way of looking at the struggles of this realm. Only an enlightened Christian can see the reality of the things of this life. All the troubles we endure on earth are temporary and not very heavy to bear when you really measure them by the real standard of eternity, which is hard to wrap our minds around true. But think about that, how short our lives is. I remember when I was younger, man, it took forever for summer to get here. And then it took forever for school to start up. A whole year to the next birthday, it took forever. Now, I feel like I just finished Christmas and we're already back at it. I feel like I need to have a two or three year calendar on my wall to, so that I can keep up with everything that's going on. We are always looking ahead to that great blessings that we're going to receive in heaven, looking to heaven. Verse 18, the third, the third point here. Paul says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The mature Christian has the uncanny ability to see things that are unseen. Faith is, of course, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Paul does not get discouraged by the troubles of this life because he is focused, focused on the joys of the next. Maybe we should conclude from this passage that the way we handle the trials of life will indicate where our eyes are focused. If we are looking more to this realm, then we will be intimidated or discouraged by the problems and afflictions we encounter. But if we, I'm sorry, if our focus is on heaven, if that's where it's at, then the trials will never be able to move us away from our objective. So back here in our scripture for this, this afternoon, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, Paul unveils his perspective of, of things seen and unseen. He compares what we have now in our earthly existence to what we will receive in our heavenly. He has insight into the future realm and shares that vision with us. If we could see things as Paul saw them, then we too, as he says in chapter 4, verses 1 and verse 16, we too will never lose heart. His perspective of life now on earth as compared with life as it will be in eternity, is presented to us here in five contrasts. The first one is found in chapter 5, verse 1. We already read it. It's that tent versus building. And it's taken from a simple aspect of our earthly life, right? That illustration may reflect Paul's occupation. Remember, he was a tent maker. And he compares our earthly existence as tent dwelling 
and our heavenly existence as living in a building. The contrast is obvious. Tents are only temporary shelter while buildings offer permanent dwelling on earth. And tent life, isn't that filled with hardship? Now, I'm not talking about tents that you get today where you can buy those Coleman tents that have dividers in it. You've got a kitchen and a living room, built-in bathroom, a cushioned floor, you know, where it's getting a little extreme on how comfortable tenting can be nowadays. I, he's talking about the kind of tents that I slept in when I was uh, out there in Afghanistan in the Army for about a week. We had those little individual tents, and it didn't have a floor. You slept on the ground. It just was this little thing because a couple of feet off the ground that protect you from dew or water or anything like that. It was not exactly comfortable. I hated it. And every night I would lay there thinking, I can't wait to get home because I didn't like living in a tent. But the home, the building, my established place of residence back in America, that's what I longed for. But I knew it was there, so it helped me persevere through those difficult times. But how would it be if I got in that tent and it was horrible, and all I could think of was, this is life. It's never going to change. Do you think I'd lose heart? Yeah. But if I had something to look forward to that I knew I was going to go back to that was great and comfortable, would I lose heart? No. I'd be like, man, I can't wait to get back home. It'll be worth it. Just like when we were on a diet. I'm, I'm changing the illustration here a little bit, but when we get on a diet nowadays, we don't think, you know what, I need to start eating uh, Brussels sprouts with no salt. I need to have seaweed with no flavor. I need to eat white rice with nothing added to it and drink water for the rest of my life. And I'll be so happy. That, that doesn't bring anybody happiness. Nobody wants to eat that. But if we know that's going to bring our bodies to a better condition, if we know that's going to make us look better in our own eyes and make us feel better, that gives us hope and heart to keep doing it. That's what Paul's getting at. Right now we're in a tent. We're looking forward to a building. I enjoy camping out, but only for a short time. Sleeping on the ground is not fun. A few days of no bath and camp food can make anybody long for home. Our heavenly building is like home in this sense. Our entire earthly life, as compared to heaven, is like the discomfort and temporariness of camping out in a tent. That's the perspective that Paul has, and he wants us to adopt it. Anyone, anyone can put up with a few days of discomfort if they know that ultimately they'll be going home. It is no accident that the Apostle John spoke of Jesus' brief earth life as a tent dwelling. He says that in the Gospel, John, verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Now in the New American Standard it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt there is a term that means tabernacled or tented, literally. Peter also refers to this in 2 Peter chapter 1. Though these apostles had the same perspective of Paul concerning this life. And we must see our life now as living in a tent and keep our eyes focused on the building God has prepared for us. The second contrast, found in verses 2, 3, and 4, unclothed versus clothed. In this earthly dwelling, we exist as if we are unclothed. But in the future heavenly state, it will be as if we are clothed. This 
This is a second illustration from which Paul draws upon our common knowledge. Have you ever been in a situation where you did not have the proper clothing? Those occasions can bring on shame, discomfort. Adam and Eve hid themselves because of the shame associated with their nakedness. The uh, garrison demonic ran around unclothed among the tombs and lived a horrible life as an outcast. Paul says that this earthly existence, in this earthly existence, we groan because we don't want to be unclothed. There, are, there would be a great deal of discomfort involved in living our present existence without clothing. But that's the way we are to view our life on earth. The point seems to be that our perspective of things should lead us to a greater desire for the heavenly existence that God has prepared for us. Living in this life is like, well, it's like being naked. And the heavenly existence is like being clothed. Could you imagine? I mean, nobody does that. Now, I know there's some people out there that do that, but we call those folks weirdos because you don't do that. Would you go to work with nothing on but your birthday suit? You know why we call it our birthday suits, right? That's how you were born. That's the birthday suit. Naked. No way. No way. I don't want anybody to see me that way. Nobody. <laughs> it's not comfortable. I don't even want to imagine it. We have nightmares about that. We feel, but, but that's the way we ought to feel in this world. It makes us uncomfortable. So when we're out there living in the world and we hear people cursing and using the Lord's name in vain, that ought to make us as uncomfortable as standing around with no clothes on. When we see the garbage on the internet or in the movies or TV shows or even on billboard signs, we need to have that uncomfortableness when we hear about the killing of unborn babies and you feel uncomfortable, don't brush it aside. That's the way you ought to be feeling. Uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. That is not the kind of life God intended for you and me. He didn't want us to live like this. Not like this. Naked. Intense. Unclothed. We should not get overly comfortable in this realm, but view it as if you would if you were not properly clothed. Verses five, 4 and 5, mortal versus life. Now Paul uh, releases us from the illustrations taken from our everyday life, and he presents a plain contrast between this realm and the reality of the real realm God wants for us in the next. Mortality hits us right in the face, doesn't it? The reality of our earthly existence can be summed up in one word, terminal. This life results in our physical death. Whether we live to be one or 101, we're going to die, which really makes this no life at all. The very concept of life is the opposite of death. To have genuine life means the absence of death. So, by comparison to eternal life, this existence is a kind of walking death. The Christian who is able to see beyond this realm into the realm of unseen things will long for the time when this mortal existence is over and true life is obtained. Verse 5 suggests that this longing is placed within us by God. He has prepared us for something 
better. God prepares us for eternity by means of the Spirit. Verse 5. Now, the New American Standard, the translation I'm using, has the word Spirit capitalized. And when you look in the preface, they, they say that it's divinity. That's the translators make it capitalized. That wasn't that way in the Greek. It's their assumptions here. They believe that Paul's talking about divinity, which would be the third person of the Godhead. And lots of people believe that. They think that's what it is. They think it refers to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Others um, think that this is some kind of miraculous power given by the Holy Spirit. But likely, looking at context, Paul likely means our changed nature by taking on a new spirit. That is the Spirit of Christ. The word pledge means a guarantee of payment in the sense of down payment. It is a deposit, a deposit, which pays a part of the total debt, and it gives legal claim. The new life which God promises us begins now by means of the new spirit he gives us in Christ, in his Son. When we take on the spirit of Jesus into our own hearts, and we begin to transform into his likeness, then we are experiencing the down payment of what God will give us in eternity. So he's saying, here's a taste of what heaven's going to be like. I'm going to give it to you in this spirit, in my son. The new spirit, or, or the, the change within our hearts, gives us a new perspective on things, doesn't it? You see how that, that, doesn't that fit better than saying that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? This is the new life. Mortal versus life. Real life. We have the mind of Christ. And we may now see things as Jesus sees them. We no longer live for the here and now, but we are focused on the hereafter in heaven. We do not lose heart, therefore, in our suffering or our mortality. We know that something better awaits us. I think that should, should help us understand that term spirit there. I hope it does. I hope you think about that, gnaw on that for a little while. Next, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. This is talk, where it talks about our, our home and our body, but it's absent from the Lord. That's the way we are now. Best verses, ab, being absent from our bodies and being home with the Lord. Wherever we live, that's our home. But not all homes are within the vicinity of our families, right? The soldiers on the battlefield have homes made of tents but they are away from their families. They would prefer to be away from their tent homes, right, and be with their loved ones. In like manner, Christians have a home here on earth in our earthly bodies, but we would prefer to be away from this existence in order to be with the Lord. The Spirit of Christ within us urges us to, be, uh, to this longing to be home with the Lord. If we view things as Jesus viewed them, having His Spirit, then we have the same desires and we have the same longings. Jesus lived in this realm for one purpose, to do the will of his Father, John 6:38. That should also be our ambition in life. Jesus longed to return from his earthly mission, to be at home with the Father. And when we see the reality of this realm through his eyes, we will have the same desire to be rid of this temporary home 
so that we might take up our permanent dwelling with the Lord. Verse 7, faith versus sight. We now walk or live out our existence by faith. But when we reach eternity, faith will become sight. Faith is the ability to see the unseen. It is the ability to know what lies in the realm of the unknown. As the Hebrew writer puts it for us, it is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. People without faith, who do not believe in the eternal realm, can only see the here and now. But we Christians have a glimpse into heaven by accepting the things revealed to us by Christ. Once we reach eternity, we will see the reality. Faith enables us to see now what we will actually see in the future. So people of faith live now as if they have had sight. We know what's coming in the future. We know where this present realm is headed. So, like the ancient people of faith, we live now as strangers and exiles of the earth, desiring a better country and a city which God has prepared for us. Paraphrase that from Hebrews 11:13 to 16. And since we walk by faith, we know that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Those who are without faith, live now as if they will never stand before Christ in judgment. The reality of the judgment day helps us to keep our earthly lives on track and moving in the right direction. Paul's not saying that we will be saved on our, based on our good deeds, but he's saying that all things we have done during our stay on this earth can be the summation of each man's life. We, we need to ask, has it been our ambition to please him? And we're running out of time, so i got to bring it to a close. But with that idea, let us remember that. This is, that should be our focus in life, to please Him. So redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. And be a blessing to all those around you this Christmas holiday season. Thank you, and have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.